China Syndrome by Rich Karlgaard From Forbes Magazine, September 7, 2015 Zillow.com says my house in Silicon Valley, which, as the drone flies, is equidistant from Stanford, Apple, and Google, has doubled in value since March 2009. The recent surge is partly driven by buyers from China. I'll share an anecdote that everyone in the valley has seen or heard. A house goes on the market for $3 million, the typical price for a 2,500-square-foot home on one-quarter acre. Within two weeks, the house has sold. Later, you learn that it went for 20% over the list price and that the buyer made an all-cash offer. The buyer was from China. The market speaks, but what is it saying? I was in Singapore and Taiwan last month and discussed the fact that Chinese buyers are bidding up Silicon Valley prices. Singapore and Taiwan are also seeing this, as are Sydney, San Francisco, Seattle, and Vancouver. The question is, are rich Chinese house buyers diversifying, or are they planning an escape for themselves and their children? Is it Plan A or Plan B? If you knew the answer, you could make a lot of money. China watchers around the world are trying to guess whether China's stock meltdown and yuan devaluation are a correction or an earthquake. If smart Chinese have taken some stock market profits and reinvested them in American and Australian coastal real estate, then China's 37-year growth story is poised to continue. On the other hand, if smart Chinese are planning their exits, China might be in bigger trouble than most know. China's critics appeared to be vindicated during this summer's troubles. But beware, many China bashers have predicted China's demise for a long time. James Chanos, the Wall Street billionaire, has steered investors away from China for years. American journalist Gordon Chang wrote a book predicting China's collapse, The Coming Collapse of China, Random House, which came out in 2001. Chang is right about one thing. China's central government, at the pleading of debt-bloated state-owned banks, wants to slap China's thriving online banks, such as Alibaba's Alipay, with credit limits of 5,000 yuan. Hardly enough to buy one iPhone. This high-handed move would cripple Alibaba, Tencent, and other Chinese online stars. China's death is exaggerated. To get it wrong regarding China as a business person, investor, politician, or military strategist is a goof that has consequences. The best place from which to gain an understanding of China, I would argue, is not Europe or the U.S., including Silicon Valley, which has the best American seat from which to view China. It's also not from China, where information is hard to come by, the contents of your laptop's hard drive are considered free for the taking, and Google's Gmail mysteriously stops working. The best places are from the smaller countries in China's neighborhood, where free speech and association are allowed. Singapore and Taiwan are two such places. These countries are allies of the U.S., but can't afford to make major investment or political errors regarding China. The opinion on China from Singapore and Taiwan falls closer to Plan A than Plan B, as described earlier. I was invited to speak at a quarterly board meeting of Tomasic Singapore's $200 billion sovereign wealth fund. For the fiscal year, Tomasic's fund, diversified in stocks, real estate, and commodities, was up 19%. Smart folks. Several Tomasic board members said they thought China's summer stock swoon was a correction. The drop mirrors an earlier correction in Hong Kong stocks. China's projected GDP growth of 7% isn't a mirage 
as Jim Chanos and other Western pundits have asserted, China's growth is real and, if anything, is probably understated. The key error many Americans make regarding China's economy is in underestimating the strength of the country's private and entrepreneurial sectors. They make up 70% of the country's GDP, most of which is vibrant. Any weakness is in hoary old SOEs, state-owned enterprises, which include old-line banks with credit bubbles. Missed are the impact of such entrepreneurs as Xiaomi's Lejun, dubbed the Steve Jobs of China, and the enduring strength of tech giants Lenovo and Huawei. Also missed is the role played by the millions of businesses that employ 12 or fewer employees. The small fry are armed. They have smartphones, connections to global markets, and, for now, online banking and credit. For a clear look into what's going on in China, good and bad, read Forbes Asia. I also highly recommend...